Well, guess what book of the Bible we're going to be in? Ecclesiastes. We're going to turn to chapter 11, and as we continue, we've got our last two messages in this, and um, I was talking to one of our elders, Monty uh, Wisnett, last week, and if you haven't met Monty, he lit one of the candles last week, and uh, I was telling him, I said, man, can you believe we got two more weeks, only two more weeks of Ecclesiastes, and he says, thank God, I leave there feeling so depressed, because <laughs> one of the key phrases is meaningless, meaningless, everything is what? Meaningless, and so uh, uh, this morning, we we begin to wrap up and come to a final conclusion of Ecclesiastes and really tie all the bows together next week. And I just want to say, guys, I am, I, I don't know how to say this, I'm fired up about being here. I love our church. I love you, and there's no other place I'd want to pastor. I am so thankful for you and what God's doing in your life, what's God doing in our church, the growth, spiritual growth, numerical growth. I'm thankful that we got donkeys outside. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited Mary and Joseph are here today. Uh, if you look at them, we're just glad that you're here, and hopefully I get this right. Um, and uh, just so thankful for that. When she walked in, you have a little tattoo. It's okay to say that. And I was like, I don't remember Mary having a tat, but hey, we're River Hills. And, um, and so just so glad, so thankful that y'all are here, and so glad to be here. Are y'all excited about this, man? Are y'all excited to be here? I mean, being able to come together in God's house, yeah, and just worship Tell God how awesome he is, look at God's word together, be community. That's what it's about, man. I mean, this morning as I was praying and spending time in God's word, I was just overwhelmed with the power of the Bible for a moment. I mean, I didn't even open it up. I was just holding it. It was like, man, just to be able to open this and to know that this is what God is speaking through his people and to be able to be able to apply that and learn that and grow in that day in and day out, to have that opportunity, isn't that cool? I mean, when we look at God's Word, God's Word being the Bible, but also we go to John chapter 1. This is for free. This is not even part of our message this morning. We're going to go a long time. Just get ready. Uh, you go to John chapter 1, and it says, The Word became flesh, and the world lived among us. In the beginning was the Word. I mean, meeting Jesus, and we have two proclamations that we get to experience. The proclamation that Christ gives to you to saying there's hope. Isn't that good? And the proclamation that we get to experience day in and day out through His Word. Man, I, I'm just, it just fires me up. Being here Sunday after Sunday to be able to experience God with God's people blows my mind. And, uh, and this morning is no different. And so as we continue through Ecclesiastes, I'm trying to calm down now. As we continue through Ecclesiastes and we launch off in chapter 11, I thought it'd be important for us to kind of overview a little bit about what we've studied over the last 12 weeks. Are you okay with that? And so there are a couple of themes we see over and over again. We've already met, met with one of them. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is what? meaningless and the reason we say that phrase and the reason the author continues to write that is because basically he says you have two choices in life you live life under the sun or you live life under heaven under the sun meaning a manward direction and when you live in a manward direction and a manward way of living you find that life is what meaningless but here's the thing God calls us to live under the heavens and that's what the whole book is about it's the under the heavens way of living and he tells us that there's futility in life when all we pursue is pleasure, wealth, influence, power, even happiness, sex. All those things never give us joy in the end. And to pursue those things, it's meaningless. He also talks about how it's important to grow in wisdom. But in wisdom there are limits. And that's why it's important that we recognize and we worship and we adore and we cling to a sovereign and holy God who loves us, sends us Christ. He talks about also the importance of enjoying your life for two reasons. One, if you're living under the sun, this is all you're going to get. You better enjoy it. But also, if you're living life under the heavens, 
the best way God is glorified in worship is you to enjoy the life that he's given you. Joy is much different than happiness. We'll learn that in a few moments. But also the importance of hard work. Not only working in what God's called you to do, but also working in the sense for God's kingdom. And so we wrestle through all these themes and we come to this place this morning to where we have to begin to wrap things up and really sum it up. And that's what he begins to do. To sum up what he's been talking about in really specific applications for you to I to live our lives for Jesus. Now, you've been to church hopefully before, maybe, maybe you haven't. If you're not, we're so glad you're here. Maybe this is your church home. Maybe you're thinking about being a part of this church family. But regardless, I believe most of us in this room find ourselves inundated with spiritual advice. Now, help me, let me help you understand that. My prayer is you remember 5% of what I say today. But I bet you can't remember anything somebody said in a sermon two years ago, right? I can't either. I don't even remember what I said last week, all right? And I said it. But then when we begin to look at things, whether it be social media, a podcast, a blog site, we begin to see all these things that we could apply to our lives. And maybe for you, you'll read something, you'll hear something, you'll listen to something on the radio, you hear a message, whatever, and you're like, man, I just got to apply that to my life. And you get out of here like gangbusters, and you're like, I want to make this specific application. And for the rest of the day on Sunday, you do pretty well, right? Like, maybe the application is I'm going to be nice to other people. And so the best thing you can do is you go home and you're nice for 15 minutes and you take a nap. (laughs) You've been nice all day. Monday comes, things get a little hairy because it's Monday, right? We're going to give you a break on that because you got stuck in traffic. But Tuesday comes, you're going to reignite that fire again. But then you have a bad sales call, somebody insults you at work, or your boss was just a pain that week. Wednesday comes, and nobody's good on Wednesday. Y'all with me on that? And by Thursday, you're just clinging to the end of the week, and Friday comes, and worship happens again because, praise the Lord, thank God it's Friday. There's even something for that. But the reality is many of us, I don't know, just, just, just indulge me from it. Do you feel this way? When we look at all the things that we could be doing spiritually, do you have a form of spiritual paralysis where you do nothing? Y'all ever been there? Think about this for a moment. There's all these things I can do. I can pray, I can read, I can serve, I can go here, I can serve in this country, I can pray for this missionary, I can pray for that missionary. I can go help this person serve at this food bank, give this Christmas gift, be generous here. I mean, it just, and it's like, ah, I do nothing. Y'all been there? So how do we move beyond that? Because everything we've talked about, wisdom, focusing on wisdom as it pertains to finding godly pleasure, living in a godly way, living life under the heavens, how do we begin to process that and, and, and apply it in such a way where it changes our lives day in and day out. Now, my wife and I watch the Today Show every day. Now, some of you are like, the Today Show comes on between 8 and like 10 o'clock, Chip. You should be at work. We are at work. We record it, and we watch it before we go to bed at night typically. And we always do that because we want to see if Al Roker got the weather right, you know? And, and, and so we're watching the Today Show. We're catching up on things, and I get distracted really easily because it's the Today Show. And... Um, I was walking through the room the other day, and I heard some, one of the uh, personalities on the Today Show say this. It said simply this, if, if, if you had to choose, now, now feel me on this for a second. If you had to choose between having dinner with your ex and going Christmas shopping at Walmart the day before Christmas or on a crowded Black Friday, which one would you choose? Walmart? Somebody said, Walmart, for real. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
If you had to choose, think through this, if you had to choose between going to Walmart, on, I mean, I'm talking like Pack, Mall of Georgia, everybody's there, all that stuff, going to Walmart, going Christmas shopping, or, or spending the night in prison, which would you choose? Who would say prison? I'm there all day long. Walmart? What's wrong with y'all? Let me tell you something. If you said Walmart, you better listen close today because you need Jesus. All right? Now, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. All those things said and done. I mean, when you're buying Christmas presents, I've told you I'm a poor Christmas giver. I get a bit of a paralysis when it comes to that because I'm not sure what to do. And uh, my wife is a wonderful gift receiver. And what I mean by that, she knows I'm going to give her something bad, and she's happy with it. I'm, I mean, guys, I am married to it's, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Sarah Beth, right there. She puts up with me, and I give terrible gifts, and she is so good about it. Never complains, always is appreciative. And this year, though, I really want to do well. I have really, and I've been listening. Because you know, dudes, your wife, your significant other, have been dropping hints since January about what they want. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it's like a test. You get there to December, and it's like, y'all, y'all I mean, about December 22nd, it's like, what has she been saying? I don't know. But I've been thinking about it since, like, December 4th. And so... I know what she wants. I mean, there's a couple of things. Uh, one, one of those things, she, you're getting it. You don't know what it is. And, uh, and so the other thing, she's not getting because it's too expensive. I love you. And the third thing, and the third thing, the third thing is this piece of furniture she's been wanting. I've been balancing the books and looking at the budget. We can get that. And so I begin to research this. And I pull it up on Google, Amazon, where can I buy these things, Craigslist, that kind of stuff. Guys, there are 80,000 options for this. And there are so many options, I don't know what to do. And they range from $5, my choice, to $5,000, probably her choice, those types of things. And so I begin to research this stuff, and I'm like, I don't know exactly what she wants, so I'm going to begin to just, i, I got a plan here. So at dinner tonight, I'm going to ask two questions or make two statements and it's going to pull her into my plan, and I'm going to set the trap, and I'll know what to buy. And so I did. We have family devotion on Wednesday night. We're eating dinner. The kids have left. And I said, babe, you know that piece of furniture you've been talking about? She goes, yeah, I saw one today, and it was black, and it cost $400. And here's my, that was my two statements. It was black and cost $400 because she's like, no way you're going to spend $400 on me because my wife's like that. And two, I knew she didn't want the color black. So I'm like, it's a win-win. Because what's going to happen is she's going to say, no, I'd rather have that color. I'm glad you didn't buy it. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Because I already had it. God, I had it on my phone. I was ready to buy. Boom, boom, boom. It's good. We're good to go. But she didn't answer the way I wanted her to answer. And it got past that second statement. And I'm completely lost and don't know what to say. Y'all been there before? Completely paralyzed. And finally, I just looked at her and said, look, I'm buying you this for Christmas. Would you just please pick it out? And I will buy it. That's a, hopefully a win. Uh, but those types of things, when we transfer them to the spiritual realm, give us paralysis, right? There's so many things we could choose from, so many things we could do, so many places we could serve, so many applications that we can make, right? So how do we begin to resist paralysis? How do we begin to boil this down to make some simple applications? Well, the author begins to walk us through that this morning. So I want to start off in chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And I want you to kind of understand what's happening. For us to resist paralysis, we begin to need to, we, we need to begin to make some bold steps. Notice what he says, starting in verse 1. He says, ship your grain across the sea, and after many days you may receive a return. Now, I really want you to focus on that may aspect right there. It's not a certainty. 
Then he goes on to say, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where it falls, there it will lie. There's some certainty in that, right? Then it says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. And you, and you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb. So you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Now, let's kind of let's kind of dissect this. Because here's our first action step this morning. Here's our first point that he's trying to make. And it's simply this. We have to learn to be bold in our faith. Now that's it. That's, that's your step. Now there's some sub, there's some sub points to this. And we're going to get to those. But, but the thing is, I want you to go back to verse 1. I want you to notice this. And he's dealing with maritime economics. And he's saying as you've grown your grain, as you've harvested all this stuff, you put it on a boat, and then you're going to ship it across the sea, and hopefully it'll make it there. And hopefully you'll get a return on that investment. But the point is, even if you're not sure, the risk is worth taking. You get that? And the point is, when we talk about spiritual steps of faith, Taking a risk is necessary for you to grow. You hear me on that? You have to be bold to grow spiritually. You have to be bold in order to, in order to experience more of Christ. And the reason I say that, because many of us in this room have such a hard time growing spiritually because it requires some boldness, and we're so scared of failure. Have y'all been there before? Or we're so scared of stepping out of our comfort zone, so scared of losing cool points, so scared of seeming like we're stupid. It could be a million different, different uh, excuses for this, but the thing is, if you and I are going to begin to really process and grow and resist paralysis, we have to learn to be bold in our faith. There are some sub-points to this. Be bold, and be bold in your faith by being generous. Be bold in your generosity. Notice, let's go back to verse 1. Notice what it says here. Ship your grain across the sea, and after many days you may receive a return. Listen to me. We take up an offering not so we can get something back from it. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. I've heard pastors stand up and say something like, hey, look, if you want to be blessed, give. Listen to me. If you want to bless people, give. Then stop. You follow me on that? And, and, and for many of us, the idea of being generous it's not just a Christmas time experience to where we drop a couple of coins in the bucket with a Santa Claus in front of Walmart, okay? Generosity is a day in and day out thing. And if you're going to grow spiritually, listen to me, and I'm saying this with a heart of a person who has to work on this themselves. Generosity is something that we have to learn to embrace to not only advance God's kingdom, but also find our dependence truly upon the Lord. Be bold in your generosity. And listen to me. You know what's bold and what's not, right? We know the difference between tithing and tipping. Agreed? We know the difference between making an impact and just trying to get our conscience clean for a few moments. God calls us to be bold and to be bold in our faith means to be generous in our faith. Now take out that little commitment card you have inside of your worship folder. We're going to just talk. We're going to spend just a few moments on that because it's so important for us to cover this this morning 
specifically as it pertains to our Christmas offering coming up and really giving an explanation of why we do this. We ask you to make these commitments not because we're money hungry. We ask you to make these commitments because we genuinely want to see people come to Jesus. I mean, Barrow Ministry Village is one of those ministries to where some of us in this room have experienced healing and our families are together or we've overcome stuff because of it. People in this community depend on that agency. And if a person is dealing with depression and they can't afford to go go to counseling to begin to overcome that cycle, hear me on this, they aren't turned away there. They get help in a Christ-like manner. And for us to be committed to give to that means that we're not going to turn people away and we see our community changing because of it. You follow me on this? Salam Soccer, and I love Paul's going to come next week. He's one of our elders and he's also in charge of Salam Soccer. Uh, He's going to come and light one of the candles next week. But hearing him talk about how last summer he took a team of people uh, to the Middle East and they worked with about 30 Syrian refugee children and it was during the period of Ramadan. And Ramadan is when a person who is Islamic can't eat from sun up to sundown. They can't drink. They have to fast the whole day. Now, can you imagine doing a soccer camp during Ramadan? These poor babies aren't eating and drinking, but they came out every day faithfully to come and hear about soccer from these people who follow Jesus. And by the end of the week, we had them eating and drinking during the day, a lot of it because it was hot. <laughs> but the important thing is we connected them to Christ. Isn't that cool? Someone who comes from a war-tattered country and their people have turned completely against them, bringing the love of Christ through a soccer ball to them. Isn't that great? In Haiti today, our church there is worshiping Christ. And our school in Mirabalay starts back up and they get to experience what it means to read and then we get to read them the Bible. Isn't that cool? Guys, that's generosity making a kingdom impact. But it goes so far beyond that. Being bold in generosity means I'm going to make this an absolute habit in my life to where we express the Christ to all nations, to all people, to all neighbors and family members and friends. That's what it's about, right? So how bold are you in your generosity? Be bold. Be bold not only in your generosity, but also be bold but be calculating. Verse 2, notice what happens here. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And what he's saying here is simply this. Don't put all your eggs in what? One basket. Spread them around. And for many of you, if you're going to hear some of these stories about what's happening in different missions agencies and different missions initiatives in different people's lives, and you're like, man, I just need to give 100% of my salary to do that in order to support them. I would say, no, that would not be wise. But here's what I am saying. Give big. But also, in your life, be calculating in your strategy and what you do. You follow me on that? Be calculating. Notice else what it says here. And this is what it's, so, it's, just, it's just so much meat here on the bone. And I hope I get to deal with it all. Verse 4, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. And it goes down to verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning and in the evening let your hands not be idle. Basically, what he's saying here is be bold by working hard. And that's a big deal there. Make work worship. And not just where you're employed, but also where you serve. Be bold by stepping out of your comfort zone. I'm going to brag about, uh, I'm just, just indulge me here in a moment. I want to brag about my family, all right? Uh, We have forced our kids with weeping and gnashing of teeth to go and serve in our kids' ministry. And it's been so cool to watch both my kids, and now they drug other friends along with them, to watch them hold babies and get on the floor with preschool kids. 
That's something that we have an objective for for our kids. Whether they like it or not, they're going to do it, right? But why are we asking them to do that? Why are we asking you to do that? It's because when you minister to other people, the investment you put in their lives for the kingdom is not void. You follow me on that? It's much more. Be bold by hardworking, but also get this. I love this next part. Be bold because God's design is unexplainable. And what I mean by that, if you go down to verse, verse 5, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. And I love what the author does. He takes God's masterpiece, which is human beings. He takes his masterpiece and he says, look, you have no idea how God is knitting together a person in someone's womb. We can study it. We can think about it. We can go to class on it. But we, man, the, the way God put this together, well, we can explain it, but the initial bang, wow. He does something miraculous here. He is knitting us together. And, and, and the thing is, the reason we say this is that being bold because we can't explain God's design means be bold because God is sovereign. God has got this. And as he calls you out to be bold in your generosity, in your service, in your hard work, in your calculations, in your lives, listen to me, God has got this. If a God is big enough to bring a Messiah from the womb of a virgin and have that same kid grow up in perfection and lay himself out on the cross and raise him from the dead, he's got you. You got me? We have a sovereign God. But more so, be bold. Be bold in your faith and make your life count. Don't get to the end of your life and say, look at this fabulous coin collection I have. Get to the end of your life and say, look at this big God I serve. We want to be a church that's bold. Beyond these walls, and beyond anything we could ever explain or imagine. Not just being bold in different places like the Middle East or in Haiti or Bear Ministry Village, but we want to be bold to a point to where we see God glorified and lives change beyond these four walls. One of the ways we're being bold right now, and you'll have more um, representative of this, if you ever, this is the plans for our new building. Now I know you can all see this in detail. <laughs> But guys, we're expanding our facility starting in January. And we're doing this because of a couple reasons. Number one, we're going to put life groups here on campus so that you don't have an excuse. Number two, you've got a lot of babies. And we want to have more of them, all right? We love children. We want to, we want to minister to those kids and let them know the gospel. We have a Spanish-speaking congregation that's in a trailer behind us, and they don't have a restroom. And I think restrooms are important, don't you? We want to put them inside of this facility and see our brothers and sisters in Christ as they worship and we worship in here. Does that sound good? We want to expand and be bold. Does this make sense financially? Absolutely not. Do we believe that this is what God is calling us to do? Absolutely. Do we believe that God is going to leverage this for His glory to see people come to Christ? 100%. Do we believe that this congregation is going to come together and be generous to pay it off? Yes. Yes, but more than this, I pray, and this is where I'm about to be bold, all right? I hope this is the last expansion we do on this building <laughs> because I want to see a church not of 3,000 because community is so important here. You know the people you go to church with, right? 
I want to see 10 churches of 300. Y'all with me? I want to see them all over this area. Experiencing Christ we get to experience this morning. Because there are pockets of people, your friends and neighbors, from Jefferson to Monroe, from Lexington to Decula, who need Jesus. That's being bold. To constantly expand a building is bold. But to say one day we're going to bring several pastors to this church and start River Hills campuses everywhere where they have a live preacher, I think it's bolder. Y'all with me? Be bold in your faith, though, in your generosity and your spiritual growth. Be bold in such a way to where God sees you doing great things through his power for his glory. Be bold. Next thing is simply this. Notice what happens in verse 7. And I, I got so fired up about the bold stuff, I forgot to give you your action step. So let's do that real quick. On the commitment card you have, here's an action step I'd ask you to take. is to pray about how you can give $25 a month to one, two, or three of those entities. Are you all with me on that? You can turn them in at the end of the year. And this is what we're asking you to commit for 2019. I'm also asking you to take out that connect card. And it says, I will serve on a volunteer team. Maybe kids, maybe hospitality, maybe students, and maybe missions. We have a missions meeting right after this service in this room to tell you more about missions for next year. Listen to me. Check that box. You need to be serving, just straight up. This is your home church. It's not good enough for you to sit in the pew. You need to be serving, all right? Find a place. Next thing is this. Not only are we bold, but notice this. Be joyful in your attitude, which is very challenging in Christmas. Agreed? Joy to the world. We want these people to leave. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> Joy to the world. I'm broke, broke, broke. Um, verse 7. Get this. I love this. And I think verse 7 is going to be the most applicable verse you read today. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eye to see the sun. How many of you felt that way yesterday? <laughs> I walked outside, and I, was, I didn't know the sky was blue anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. It's the simplicity of that. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything, come, everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now, he's talking to two categories here, old people and young people, all right? I'm going to let you choose which category you want to be in. I ain't going to pick it out for you. But here's the deal. For the older folks, he's saying, look, enjoy life, the simplicity of life, the simple pleasures of life. Notice what they are. And that's a that's a practice all of us need to make. And it's being joyful in your attitude. And, I mean, think through this for a moment. How many of us spent, I mean, when you set up a Christmas tree, there's a couple things going on. You're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, and if you're married, you're getting ready to have a fight, right? But how many of you guys have set up and decorated your home, but yet have not yet sat down in your living room in the quietness of those moments with a cup of hot chocolate or a cup of coffee and just enjoyed it? How many of us just sat down and looked at a sunset and said, thank you, Jesus, for that? How many of us just sat down and said, the sim simple things, the simple things. I love George H.W. Bush's eulogy. One of his friends said in the later years of his life, he used to sit on his perch at his home in Maine and look at the oceans and study how the waves came in and out. Not because his mind was dull, but because his mind was sharp. The simple things. And when you're young, learn to enjoy your life. 
But understand, enjoying your life is in the context of what Christ would want you to do because there's many of us in this room will tell you we went and tried to enjoy life and we're paying for it now. Understand this, God wants you to have fun. If you're under 20, hear me on this, God wants you to have, God wants you to have fun, okay? But in the context of God's word and in Christ, it's where the most joy is reaped. So get a discipline of knowing Jesus and growing in him now. Have a joy of attitude. And we do that by knowing who Christ is and recognizing that we need him in our lives and recognizing that joy is totally different than happiness. Joy is steady and happiness is up and down. Joy is continual. Happiness is circumstantial. And you can have joy in the hellacious places that you experience in life because you have Christ. As a kid, I don't know if you guys ever did this. Maybe you went to the creek behind your house or maybe a, maybe a, a, a mud puddle, and you look in there, and there are a million tadpoles. And as a kid, the thing you want to do is catch one, right? And you all like that? Now, some of you are like, nope, I'm not touching that. But, but, but for the rest of the world, we wanted to catch tadpoles. But did you ever just go to that little mud puddle, that creek, or that pond, and like, man, I'm going to grab that tadpole. Did you ever do that? It's like, I mean, because you thought, like, man, I'm going to be like, you know, Indiana Jones or some kind of Jedi knight, and I'm going, yeah, I got it, you know. But then when you did it, nothing happened, right? Y'all with me on that? There's a million of these tadpoles in here, and you can't grab one. So you tried it again, and there's nothing. You tried it every now and then, you might get lucky. Eventually, you went to the scoop method. You know what I mean? Got it, you know? That's pursuing happiness. You can't ever catch it. That's pursuing happiness. It's circumstantial. But joy, that's Jesus. That's salvation. That's steady. You feel me on this? Be bold. Be joyful in attitude. But finally, be Christ-centered. These are the simple things that keep us from paralysis. When our attitude is there, when our boldness is there, now let's start in verse 10. I'm going to read all of this, and it's a lot, and I'm going to come back, okay? Verse 10. Notice what he says here. So then, banish anxiety from your heart. That seems impossible. Are y'all with me? <laughs> That's a good word, though, isn't it? Banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach you, you will say, and get all this. I find, and I'm going to read fast, listen fast. I find no pleasure in them because the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because there are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the streets are closed in the sound of grinding phase, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and the dangers of the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go into the eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. What he's saying here is this. Be Christ-centered before you die. Get that? Christ-centered looks like this. Go back to verse 10. Notice what it says here. Chapter 11. So then banish anxiety from your heart. Be Christ-centered by being morally pure meaning pursuing holiness. Then it goes on to say, 
not only be Christ-centered in that direction, but cast off all the troubles of your body. Understand that your body is a temple, and when we don't treat it well physically, we dishonor God. Physically take care of yourself. And then finally, go to verse 1. Notice what happens in chapter 12, verse 1. Remember your who? Creator. Put him in the middle of everything you do. You see, it's really simple here in this text. Be bold in your actions, be joyful in your attitude, and be Christ-centered in your life. You get that? Really simple. But how do I simplify that even more? Because, Chip, again, you've given me so much stuff. How do I make this? I could get really paralyzed here. Y'all with me on that? Here's four things. Write them down real quick, and then we're going to get out of here. Well, we will get out of here. Real simple. Choose to give. Choose to grow. Get in the Word. Choose to go. Go on mission. Invite your friends. Tell your friends about Christ. And choose to gather. Make church and life group a priority. Is that simple enough? Choose to give. Choose to grow. Choose to go. Choose to gather. By being bold, by being joyful, by being Christ-centered. See, when I think about gathering, when I think about being bold, when I think about being joyful, one of the things my mind chases me to is the nativity. And we just lit this candle that talks about love. And I love the fact that we're doing that this morning and how it works out in God's timeline. Is that the greatest love event in the history of humankind is when Christ died and rose from the dead. But that began in Bethlehem. Jesus demonstrates hope and peace through his love for us. You follow me on that? And we're mindful of that as we begin to celebrate Christmas. But one of the characters of Christmas that really comes to mind is the three wise men. Their boldness, their joy, their Christ-centeredness. And you've got to remember, these wise men, these guys were pagans. These guys looked at the stars and worshipped that kind of stuff. But they saw something very unique one night, and it was the star of David or the star of Bethlehem. And so we need to follow that and find out because I believe God is giving us something. And he had. He'd given them a Messiah. So I want you to notice what happens here in chapter 2 of Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard, he, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report him to me, so that I may go and worship him. And in verse 9, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming in the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here's the deal. They were bold because they left what they used to believe and followed Christ. They were joyful because when they experienced Jesus, they found joy, not happiness. And they were, and, and listen to me, and they were Christ-centered. 
Because when they encountered that child in Bethlehem, they found hope, they found peace, they found love. Do you know that? Do you have that? Do you have that focus on Christ where it makes you bold, makes you joyful? Do you understand that Christ-centeredness that changes your whole life? This past week we had a skating party for our church. Some of you were able to come, some of you weren't. Um, I love watching our church roller skate because because <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Some of you are out there and your kids got on roller skates for the first time and that was fun to watch. Some of you went out there and you hadn't been on roller skates in 30 or 40 years. And I want you to know I prayed fervently for you in those moments. Some of you didn't roller skate at all. You sat and drank a Coke and watched everybody. I think you were the smartest people there. But I believe that our church needs to connect and get to know each other. And so one of the things that I asked you to do if you were at the roller skating party was, hey, go find somebody you don't know, ask them their name and the, and the worst Christmas gift they ever received, and if you have the best story, you come and tell it to me, I'll give you a Longhorn gift card. The only people that went and did it were kids. Adults? get after them. But my favorite thing, my favorite thing, well, there's this little blonde-headed girl who goes to our church named Jocelyn Douglas. Every Sunday, she comes and runs up to me and hugs me. Uh, I, I don't know why. No other child really does that, maybe one or two others. And then she tells me something her funny her dad does, and we both make fun of her dad, and then we send her to the kids' cove. But she took that challenge seriously. And this little four-year-old girl comes up to me, and she says, I, I, I got something. And she's the one that won the prize, and I'm not giving her a Longhorn card because her mom and dad will use it, so we're getting her Chick-fil-A ice cream card instead. <laughs> I said, who'd you meet? She said, I met Miss Pat. Miss Pat's worst gift was this. And I got, I mean, she, I sat there and watched Jocelyn talk to this lady, talk to Miss Pat for a long time. And they had the greatest conversation, and it was just precious. But it was also representative of boldness. You follow me on that? And here's the point. If a four-year-old can be bold, a 40-year-old can be bold. How are you accept, stay taking steps of boldness? How are you taking steps of joy? How are you taking steps of Christ-centeredness? This morning, some of you here, you don't know Jesus. Or you've never made your profession of faith public through baptism. And on the Connect card you were given... There are two boxes I encourage you to check. If you don't know Christ this morning, listen to me. Come to know Christ. Come to know joy and check that box. If you haven't been baptized, check that box. If you're here this morning and you haven't taken a step of faith by getting in a life group or serving, listen to me. Our challenge this morning is real simple. Look, know Jesus, be baptized, serve somewhere, and determine you're determined to give. That's really simple, right? So I want to ask you to take those steps of faith this morning. And as you exit just a few minutes, there will be guys with baskets, and you drop those cards in the baskets, and we'll follow up with you tomorrow morning. But take that step of faith. Be bold. You feel me? Be joyful in your attitude because you know Jesus. And finally, be Christ-centered by making Christ the center of your life in everything you do. Let's pray. Father, the reality is, God, you are better and more than we deserve. And the reality even beyond that, God, is that you, you bless us beyond anything we can determine. 
And so, God, in these moments, I pray that you'd stir in our hearts in such a way that it would change us significantly. It would change us and overwhelm us. Those of us who are here who are struggling with a boldness to take a step of faith, God, that you'd empower them in these moments. Those of us who are scared to be generous or maybe feel really weird about that and how we talk about it in church because of some bad experience, remind them it's for your kingdom. Those of us in this room who are just not really happy right now because Christmas is not a happy time, Lord, give them joy because of Jesus. And those of us in this room who are struggling with being Christ-centered, give us growth. Lord, help us choose to go, choose to grow, choose to give, and choose to gather and take the steps necessary to follow you. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the hope we have in you. And overwhelm us this morning as we leave here to live in a way that demonstrates your glory.